Welcome all you podcast listeners to Knife Journal Podcast. My name is James Noka and this is Kyle Versteg and we're here in episode 61. Where we have got some really interesting topics for you today. I've got a case of the flu and... Here we go. We have a we have a um, uh, interview with over the weekend we did with uh, T M Hunt and uh, Corey Murphy, and we're gonna put it in right here. So uh, just just to introduce what we're doing here, uh, we're trying a different thing. We've got a three-way Skype call going on. Uh, We're going to interview T.M. Hunt. Um, So the audio quality probably isn't going to be quite as good here as it usually is, but uh, this is about the only way we can get things like this done. So introducing T.M. Hunt and Corey Murphy, NPR style. (laughs) I'm sure that they listen to NPR. Yeah, yeah. I do. I only I only listen to it because of the voice of the enemy, and it's and it's always good to know your enemy. That's why I read. Uh, was it the Audacity of Hope? <laughs> you actually read that? I read it. I read it. I had to. Jesus. Oh man. I never read that. I read yeah, the Art of I, I read the Art of War. That's it. That's a good one too. That's a better one. A lot better. <laughs> Written by somebody much smarter. Yeah, yeah. I'm sitting here so, on this website that you're updating. Who's updating uh, it? Well, not me. <laughs> uh, the website, it's uh, yeah, it's been one of those uh, nightmares that uh, I've got an idea of what I want, but that keeps on changing with the products that I get finished. So. Uh, the guy that I got working on it is uh, probably ready to kill me because I give him all kinds of stuff, and by the time he gets it up there, I'm wanting to change it. But uh, there's a lot of exciting things coming down um, the pipeline with uh, TM Hunt Custom Knives. So uh, the kind of the deadline that I've set on that is the first of the year. So I appreciate everybody being patient with that, but um, we're hoping to have some new material and some better contacts and whatnot on there for um, for the website. And hopefully we'll get all that taken care of very soon. But it's been, you know, like I said, it's it's been a nightmare of a project. But it's, uh, it's a necessary evil. Well, I, you're not alone. I mean, yeah. that, that, is the, that, is, that is like a <laughs> knife maker's bane of existence. Yeah. Um, uh, and you know, I that's uh, you got to be that's, online. That's the sad yeah. thing. You've got to be online. That is that the is unfortunate true. thing of it is. It's just like uh, I I need to figure out how to make about five of me, and it's not for good looks reasons. Uh, but I, I I don't really have. Here's the unfortunate thing. I don't really have any computer skills. Uh, 
I rely on Murph to kind of uh, forefront that, and you can see where we're at with this Skype, so you can see well, he's, how that's he's cool. a, He's all over that, I see. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, I'm all yeah. over it. I'm, yeah. I'm top-notch. So, uh, but anyway, we're getting there. But, I mean, Rome wasn't built in the day, so, uh, no. you know, it's a slow process. But we're, we're getting there, and I, I think there's going to be a lot of exciting and new material on the website uh, very soon. So, uh, be patient, and everybody that has been patient, keep on being patient, and we appreciate it. But uh, we'll, we'll get there. Are, are you are you still making the M18? <clears throat> oh yeah, yeah. Um, I just shipped out. Uh, how many did I ship out? Five four, or four or five? Five or six. Couple uh, off, like one to Australia. Uh, yeah, last week I sent one to Russia and I sent one to Australia uh, just Friday. Yep. So do you, do you do you make them in batches or how how are you doing them? One at a time, uh, pretty much individual, or you line them all, you know, line up, you know, five chunks of iron and beat them into submission and then, and then move over well, to, the, actually, to the scale section or the heat treat section and then, and do them in batches like that, or do you do them literally one at a time? Everything that I make, I pretty much make in batches. Okay. And, uh, uh, like, for example, if I make the Hornet or the Mogwa or it, whatever it is, I don't make, one at a time. I make anywhere from five to twelve of them at a time, and the M18 isn't uh, isn't any different. They're all time consuming, but I've got it down to somewhat of a science. Uh, usually, the M18s I make in batches of six, and the reason I say six is because I can heat treat uh, three of them at a time without uh, being too stressful. Mm-hmm. And when I say too stressful, I mean you got um, you got a few things that plays into it, and my oil tank, you know, as far as heat treat or uh, you know quenching a piece of steel that big, uh, it affects the oil temperature and all kinds of crazy things. So I usually make them in back batches of six, um, and then of course uh, all the sheaths are also handmade, and I can't uh, buy a sewing machine for leather because of the way that I do. Uh, my bell loops, uh, they're all timed, and uh, the way that my belt loop goes into the welt, it, uh, it's a different timing for uh, a sewing machine, so therefore they all have to be done by hand. And each, each M18 sheet takes me about two hours to hand stitch. So uh, by the time I get done with about uh, six of those, I'm ready to never see them again. So I'll start over on the Hornets and, you know, the Mogwas and the Tradewaters and everything else. And then kind of when need be, I'll, I, I kind of do the batches accordingly that way. I'm looking at a Mago, but I'm not seeing a picture of a Tradewater. You know, you must uh, not you have, have website? one. Yeah, you must not have one up. I like, actually like the Mago. Well, That's a nice looking freaking knife. Yeah, uh, it's it's uh, that knife actually came from a design that I made long, long time ago. And there's nothing to brag about about it. It's just a no, no, no nonsense, simple, easy uh, knife that I made out of necessity. I actually made one for uh, my uncle uh, as he's big into traditional black powder. And I made one. Uh, for him, the very first one I made for him was uh, one that had curly maple handles, and then I actually had buffalo nickels inlaid in the handles. 
And it was so nice, I just about didn't want to give him the damn thing. But, uh, I did, and I, I made another one, and it's just one of those things that, uh, you know, it's it's not hard. It's not complex. It's just made for, uh, um, you know, a, a good, easy, versatile tool. And um, they've... It's got, it's got nice, clean lines. It served me and everybody else that I know that has one wire. Oh, I've got mine on me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's got, it's got, it's barely half. I always cringe when Murph pulls things out because he's so hard on things and he could screw up a... Uh, anvil with a rubber mallet, and, and it, uh, God bless him for it. He's so hard on things, but every time I know that he pulls things out to show people, I know that it's been uh, through the roughest of the wear. So uh, he's a, he's know. the kind of guy that you could lock him in a room with three bowling balls, and he'll break two of them and lose one. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah. That's, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, we won't discuss where he loses it, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's uh. Oh, I know guys. I know a lot of guys like that. <laughs> oh wait, I think I am. But one of those guys. he's actually like he he's actually like my own uh, uh, research and development department as well. I mean, you know, he he's great for public relations. You know, I'm kind of the guy that's just uh, uh, kind of uh, the best thing about what I do is dealing with people. Uh, the worst thing of what I do is dealing with people. So, <laughs> you know, you know how that goes. So I'm, you know, I'd rather just kind of uh, do my little thing. And, um, you know, Mur Murph has uh, brought me into uh, uh, the public eye, so to speak. So I kind of let him do the most of the talking and, and uh, dealing with people because, you know, I just kind of locked in my cage. Yeah. How, how long have you been making full time? Uh, full time since May. Uh, I've been I made my very nineteen ninety eight, and you know just a hobby for years. And this is a very very long story, make short. But uh, I had a a very successful career with uh, a local company here, and for the longest longest time, I had a job that I loved. And, Yada yada yada. It kind of went south, and in 2010, uh, it all took a turn for the worse. And I just uh, kind of a a way of closure and and dealing with uh, all the crap that we're all dealt on a daily basis. My escape was just uh, being creative, and my vehicle for that was knives. And um, you know, Murph and I had been hanging out more and more, and he's kind of like, "Hey, you need to kind of bring this to some." people and I like I said I don't have no computer skills that's just because I've never been around one I've and uh so it all just got to that point to where I uh, started uh, doing some more stuff and and uh you know I'm very fortunate I I'm the luckiest guy in the world um just got to the point to where I needed to devote more time and and uh, you know here we are but actually, uh, you know, the, the short answer, 1998 is when I made my first knife. But as far as what I would consider 
professional. I, I really, really put a lot of effort into it in 2010 to get out of my situation that I was in with my work. And then uh, finally this last May, it got to the point to where I just said, you know what, I need to put some more effort into this. And uh, I quit my job of almost 20 years, and, and here I am. Cool, cool. Uh, I think uh, Jim's internet just quit, so he'll be back in a minute. Okay. Uh, but I'm still here with you guys. Uh, I think I'm back. Okay. I don't know what the hell um, is that. What's going on? Yeah, here? maybe just keep your keep your video turned off. Um, I think it's more we're getting some problems with try, Skype trying to record. You know, do all three. Looks like it's yeah, having trouble um, just bandwidth wise. All right. So. Uh, any, uh, how was that process? Uh, I see, I saw on Facebook that you, you're building on to your shop, so it must be going pretty well. <laughs> I'm building a completely new shop. Uh, I've got uh, commercial space now, and I can't take all the credit for that. I actually have a, a lifelong friend of mine that uh, has kind of somewhat guided me in the because there's a lot of soul searching to do when you've got a family and a mortgage and, and all that, and you decide that you're going to, uh, you know, you, you've got job security and insurance and a retirement where you're at, and uh, uh, but you're miserable. But you, you know, you want to say, uh, hey, what the hell? Let's try something different. I just turned 40 years old, so a lot of people kind of play it off as a midlife crisis type of thing, but. Uh, at the end of the day, you know, my, my wife even said, you know, hey, listen, you know, I'm all for it. Um, you got to do what you got to do. You got to do what uh, makes your soul happy and and, uh, and go for it. And making knives has been one of the most, outside of being a, a parent and a father, making knives has been one of the most rewarding things I've ever done in my life. Uh, not the most lucrative, um, you know. Uh, you know, financially speaking, but by far the most rewarding. So, you, you know, there comes a time in your life when you got to uh, start thinking in all the variables. And it was just time for me to do something different. And, and uh, you know, that's what's brought me here. And so far, I have no regrets. Mm -hmm. Have you had any trouble ever uh, with, I always read on the forums uh, these horror stories about uh dealing with uh, shipping things to other countries. So I, I get requests for stuff all the time from, for some reason, South Koreans like me mm. and Australians. But, like, I just have so far decided not to ship internationally because you, I hear read all these horror stories. Have you had any problems yet? Or Well, knock on it. I don't know what it is about Australia. They must be really bored, but I seem to be pretty popular over there as well. And I've mm -hmm. shipped uh, I've shipped quite a few pieces to Australia, and uh, like I said, knock on wood, I haven't had any problems yet. Uh, mm -hmm. I've shipped to Canada many times. I've shipped I uh, just shipped to Russia, and it hasn't got there yet, so we'll see how that is. But I'm kind of hoping that, <laughs> I'm kind of hoping that guy likes what he got and ships me back a decent bottle of vodka. But uh, you know, uh, like I said, knock on wood, so far I haven't had a problem, but I know that's probably just a, 
just a matter of time before something does, and I'm kind of wondering how I'm going to deal with that, but we'll kind of cross that bridge when we get there. Hey, Kyle, a lot of it's probably the way he packages the knives when he sends them out. He puts about a quarter inch of duct tape around the entire box. That's true. I need I need to I need to find a buy stock and uh, you know shipping stuff to me is a nervous thing. Uh, uh, as far as boxing things up and getting them to where they're going, uh, you could pretty much take any box that that I ship and and run over it with a car. I think the knife's going to be fine. But um, aside from that, you know you got your problems with uh, the post office and the postal service in general and this and that. And I That's tell you what scares me. Yeah, exactly. That's where I was going. What scares me is I've got tons of stuff that I'm trying to get out uh, this time of year because Christmas time, everybody wants a knife. Uh, the postal service around Christmas time is a scary thing. And um, I've shipped out, well, uh, we put out just about 30 knives this month, and that's that's a lot. I mean, yeah, for, for us, that, that, that's a lot. And, yeah. uh, you know, that's that's 30 opportunities for something to get screwed up in the Postal Service around Christmas time. So, yeah, I've been biting my nails a little bit this month, but um, so far, so far, everything's good. I like to put on any kind of boxes that I ship, human tissue or biohazard or <laughs> do, <laughs> do, not open with, do, do not open without proper uh, uh, gear. Yeah. Live snakes. Live snakes. <laughs> yeah, live, live, yeah. live virus. Live virus. Do not open. Uh, rotting rodent. Uh, yeah. Car- carcass. Yeah. So uh, along along those lines, uh, you, you obviously don't name anyone, but have you had any um, times when you've had a, a a customer that wasn't exactly fair um, with you? And that that could be something like uh, you send them a knife, and uh, instead of talking to you, they bitch about it on internet forums. <laughs> that doesn't ever happen, does it? You know, uh, and this you're gonna think that I'm just making this up, but uh, I so far. And again, knock on wood, we really haven't had anybody come back and bitch about the product that they got. Uh, yeah. Now I have had. <laughs> don't get me wrong. I've I've had some things happen that just absolutely just make me want to pull my hair out. Uh, like I said earlier, the best thing about what I do is dealing with people, and then the worst thing that I do is dealing with people. I mean, it's all across the board. I mean, um, some people just want to be left alone. They place their order and give them a call when you get it done. Uh, some people want to chat you up and are very pleasant to deal with, and some people uh, just want to bug the. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, and just like my God, you know. But uh, it is what it is. But I mean, to answer your question, Kyle, have I had anybody just been irate about the product they've got? Uh, no, and I don't want that to sell, sound like a sales pitch. Uh, because it's not, but I, I've had things that have been equally frustrating. I had, uh, I had a, a young guy a couple of years ago order a, a custom piece off of me. And, uh, he said, I really like how I, you do your curly maple. And, and this was kind of a, a weird project, a, a strange project. And I don't like to do a whole lot of those, but at the time, I mean, 
Hell, the kids needed shoes. You know how good it was. Those trackers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he'd seen the and, tracker that I had the Becker handles, and he wanted something similar. Something similar, but yeah. anyway. So he says, uh, "I really like it." And I said, "Oh, I tell you what. I, I had a, a premier piece of uh, wood that I've been keeping back for a personal project of mine, but knew that I wouldn't get uh, to it anytime soon. So I said." I'm going to throw that on there. It's going to be beautiful. Well, long story short, I did. It was absolutely gorgeous. Gorgeous. One of the prettiest pieces of curly maple that's ever come out of the shop. Yeah. Uh, sent it to him. Uh, couldn't have been happier. Two weeks later, it wasn't on blade forms. It was on another uh, knife form. Uh, I saw a picture of it, and the uh, handles had been cut off of it and had been wrapped in paracord. And this guy was going on about how great the knife was, blah, blah, blah. And I just sent him a message. I said, hey, dude, you know, do you have a problem? I thought maybe they'd cracked or what have you. And he's like, uh, no, I didn't didn't have any problem with it. He said, my intention from the get-go was to wrap the handle in cord. And I was like, <laughs> why did you order it with uh, Premier you know, or premium uh, curly maple. He goes, well, he goes, I knew that that was something you were accustomed to working with. He said, I didn't think that you worked in paracord. <laughs> don't work. Dude, I tie my shoes every day. You know, I, I work. <laughs> so I was, you know, but I've, I've, I've got, I've got hours worth of stories like that, but as far as, <laughs> and it's aggravating, but, uh, you know, the only thing you can do is just uh, not give up your, you know, premium piece of wood next time for the next guy, but, you know, then they, you know, lose out. But as far as somebody just coming back and absolutely being irate about uh, what we gave them, I mean, fortunately, no, we haven't, we haven't had that. Yeah. Uh, that's that's not really what I meant. I mean, not not that they're not happy, but like they they find some little thing, you know, yeah. like uh, like your douche you know, like, not oh, big enough or something. Yeah, you know, like or not even that. Like like say um, the say there's one part of the grind that uh, they they don't necessarily like the way that particular part went or something. But it, does that make sense? Or yeah. Um, yeah, because yeah. I mean, you guys are doing like, yeah, that's that's more what I'm getting at, because you guys are still doing them all basically hand ground, free ground, right? Oh, it's all Every, everything. Yeah. Everything yeah. you see so, is 100% by hand. Right. So so there's going to be, no matter how good you are, no matter how long you spend doing it, there's going to be little teeny tiny little things that people can nitpick. Okay. Uh, yeah, I did, I did get, uh, I had a guy that was uh, doing uh, some leather work out of me, and like I said, I won't mention names, but he's fairly well known uh, for uh, making uh, tactical holsters. Okay. And uh, he ordered a knife from me, and we was going to trade work for work. And, uh, of course, he wanted a deadline. I, I will say this. I might be shooting myself in the foot here. But uh, he got the knife, and he sent me an email. And he's like, man, he said, this thing's fantastic, everything that I wanted. But he said, this thing wouldn't cut through hot butter. And I'm like, wow. I, I don't know of anything that we've ever sent out of here that wouldn't be shaving sharp. And right. Uh, he said that he had to spend a pretty good, decent time on it as far as uh, redoing the edge with his, uh, what do you call those, those Lanskys? 
Oh yeah, Lansky system. And he said once he got it to where he wanted to, he he uh, it was just fine. But uh, I absolutely drew a blank at that one because I can't possibly imagine sending something out here that uh, uh, my hair right now, as we sit here, doesn't have a hair on it just because every time we ship something out, I always test it and they're always sharp. So uh, either that was a case of he was trying to do that, get a rise out of me or it wasn't up to his liking or uh, God forbid it was something that we overlooked. But, uh, you know, that's the only thing that comes to mind. I do some things on the back end on the forum sometimes to screw with Todd to send some people his way to, to bitch about things that really aren't. Uh, <laughs> now, this is news to me. The plot thing, but that, that's not one of the cases. I think that guy was uh, trying to shave at the spine of the knife or something. I don't know what he was doing, but that that's... That wasn't what you know, I do have I do have some friends of mine that are like that. That you send them a knife that you can shave your hair with, and that's not sharp enough. Yeah. Right? And it's and it's funny when you get the knife back from them. When you see the knife after they've done, they're done with it, it's like the edge is so fine that if they cut a piece of paper, it's going to freaking roll it over. <laughs> I mean that's that's no bullshit. I know a, a lot of guys like that that they'll sit in front of a TV set with a with a uh, uh, a strop, and they'll and they'll just freaking gr- take more metal off than you can imagine doing by hand. I mean, it's one fellow I know, one fellow I know, man, he he just got nothing better to do but sit there with a strop on his leg and just freaking work a knife back and forth until it's it's it takes the edge right off it. I mean, it's just so fine yeah. that you're like you're like yeah, it'll shave your hair. You can shave your face. You know, you can shave all over the place, but you're not going to cut anything with it ever. Because yeah. the minute you touch one of your hairs, it's going to roll the edge. <clears throat> yeah, and they I, think and they think that that's how knives are supposed to be. Right. Yeah. If I could put that in perspective, probably since this whole thing has started rolling since 2010, uh, we've probably put out, and I'm just spitballing numbers here, uh, close to maybe 500 knives since. Yeah. And I have gotten two of them back. Uh, one of them was a major catastrophe. Now, I don't want to say major catastrophe, but we found uh, at the time I was still working, we took it to uh, my metal lab at work, and we found some major problems with the piece of steel. Uh, the other one was a problem with uh, uh, it had some white liners on it and uh it had somewhat stained a little bit brown because of the etching that i put on it It was paper my carter yeah Yeah. which i don't use anymore for this very reason and i was able to clean it up and send it back to the guy and he was happy as can be but as far as failure i've gotten one back but i would like to think that that wasn't my fault due to the impurities that was in the steel Hmm. so uh another thing i would ask you is uh you know, I'm, I'm, I kind of play around with knives a little bit. Uh, I noticed and, that. And I've I found uh, it's very helpful to find a maker who is uh, making stuff that's better than what you can currently do and then try to figure out how they're doing it. So one of the first guys I did that with was uh, Charlie Mays. You know, because his uh, his fit and finish is so good that I I uh, that was one of the first things I did was look at his knives, go over them with a fine tooth comb, 
and find all the things that were different uh, about his knives and then try to reach that standard with stuff that I was doing. Um, do you have any anybody like that that you look at their stuff and I mean oh. you guys have been doing it long enough where you don't I mean that's yeah. not really an issue anymore but when you were starting no, out was there somebody yeah. yeah it's it's always an issue uh, you hit the head on the you know you hit the nail on the head there uh, you know I, I firmly believe in uh, surrounding myself with uh, better people you know <laughs> you know, not. Uh, yeah, I don't know how Murphy. Are you saying present company not included? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't. I don't know how Murphy slipped through the cracks. I drink better beers. But, uh, but seriously, uh, you know, artistically, uh, ta- you know, talent-wise, I mean, all across the board, uh, you know, morally, uh, again, I don't know how Murphy yeah, slipped through the cracks. Yeah, I don't measure up on that. But. Uh, you know, you, you surround yourself with uh, people that you think that are better than you. I mean, you strive for that very thing. Uh, you know, some of my influences, uh, I'm nowhere, in my eyes, I'm nowhere near their talent level and probably never will be. And, and that's interesting that you bring that up because uh, that's exactly you know, I remember looking at some of the people that I looked up to uh, when I was a little kid, and I'm still nowhere on their level. But, I, you know, I don't think it's so much that. I think that uh, everybody just kind of um, develops their own style. I mean, I've got, I've definitely got a lot of influences, and I don't necessarily think I'm anywhere in the same ballpark as they are. So, yeah. Have you, have you had a mentor? Uh, well, I tell you, as far as a mentor or, um, and my biggest influence, I guess I could say, uh, was my dad. Uh, When I was a little kid, I mean, my dad, he never did knife making on this level, but, uh, you know, when I was a little kid and I'm talking five or six years old, I mean, I remember standing on a little box out in the garage and he had no tools, just, I mean, just common tools and, he would make some knives out of uh, uh, just some materials, you know, one or two a year, if that, and give them to uncles and stuff like that. And, that, and that's what initially got me into it uh, because I was just fascinated by, uh, you know, him being able to make something that was so useful out of hardly anything. And that, that got my interest peaked, uh, definitely got my interest peaked, and then, uh, when my interest uh, was caught, you know, I'd start looking through the old magazines and stuff that he had, and then uh, I'd ride my bicycle. Back then, you could ride, you know, a little kid could ride their bicycle to the grocery store and not have to worry about things they got to worry about in this day and age. But I'd go up there and look at the knife magazines, and I always dreamed about owning some of these knives, and I knew back then the only way that I'd ever be able to do it is to make them myself. So, um you know, so if I had to say if I had to have a mentor, mentor or a big influence, it'd, it'd be my dad. But as far as uh, you know, um, what little you know, like I said earlier, everybody's kind of got their own style and their own take of things. Uh, how, was, you know, was uh, what was your first? You went. You were at uh, 
What was your first Blade show that you did? What was the first Blade show that you attended as a spectator? Oh. Or did you, uh, ever do, did you ever did you ever go to that show as a spectator? The very first show I've ever done in my life, Jim, was the very first time that I attended Blade Show as a uh, vendor. Exhibitor 2013. As an exhibitor. Yeah, 2013. Yeah. 2013. Yeah. I figured if I was going to go for, uh, uh, swing for the fences, man. That was yep. right when you were pushing the, the night journal. Yeah, the yeah, we, yeah, we spoke, we spoke that weekend. Yep, 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 yep. Yeah, that yeah, was. Yeah, that uh, was. Uh, uh, that was. Uh, I wasn't sure if you had gone. Had, you had been to that show. Uh, as a spectator, ever? Never, never, never. Did you Did you ever go to the knife shows as a spectator? Uh, nothing as far as. Uh, big shows like that, you know, just a local level, just just a local level. But as far as uh, setting up as a vendor, uh, that was my first time ever anywhere. So, mm. needless to say, uh, my knees were shaking the whole weekend. It was funny because he was pretty wide eyed. We were standing in line to get our uh, check in materials, and he was he was telling everybody here, "Hey, hey, that's that's Ed Fowler. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's Ed Fowler. I was like, well, go say hi to him." Say hi to him. Like, he's a guy. Go talk to him. Yeah, one of my big one of my big influences, uh, not just because of knife making, but because of his logic and his take on everything, was uh, indeed Ed Fowler. Mm-hmm. The very first time, uh, I mean, I've followed Ed Fowler since I was you know little little kid, and, and uh, I get there my very first year, very first show, very first everything. And uh, two people behind me uh, to get uh, registered was Ed Fowler. And my wife was standing right there. She's even like, go talk to him. And I'm like, I was so freaking nervous I could not do it. I'm like, this guy, as soon as I talk to him, he's going to open up his mouth and he's going to swallow my head. Are you kidding me? It's Ed <laughs> Fowler. Man. But uh, actually, there's there's a funny continuation to that. I actually ended up speaking with him. My wife... M- literally dragged me by my arm over there. She goes, you know what? She goes, you deserve it. We're going to go talk to this Ed Fowler. So we did, and he made a fool out of me. (laughs) (laughs) He did, did, but it was more of a humorous thing. No, no, that guy is fantastic. And we've spoke uh, at uh, the shows we've done since, but I went up to him and I introduced myself and immediately he grabbed my hand and I told him, I said, you know, I've, I've wanted for years to be able to hold one of your knives in my hand and be able to look at it. He looked at me and he said, uh, I mean, if any of you guys have ever talked to Ed before, he says, well, he said, why don't you quit talking? He said, what? So I did, and I picked up my favorite one. It was a camp knife. And uh, my wife's name is Gina, by the way, and we had our exhibitor's badge on, which uh, had our names on it, which just kind of plays into the humorous part of the story here just a little bit. And as soon as I picked up this camp knife, he says, oh, he said, fine choice, young man, fine choice. He says, that's my favorite knife. He said, that might very well be the most beautiful knife I've ever made. He says, I've named it Gina. (laughs) (laughs) So immediately I get all excited, man. I'm sitting there, you know, giddy like a school kid. And I said, man, you ain't going to believe this, Ed. You're not going to believe this. I said, my wife's name is Gina. Immediately, he just starts laughing like crazy. And my wife, who's usually, God bless her, she's usually a little bit slow on the take. She even looks at me like, man, you're an idiot. And, uh, 
And he starts laughing. He goes, I know. He goes, he says it right there on her name tag. And right immediately, I know that I'm bad. And he starts laughing. He pats me on the said, son, if you know how much in my lifetime, he said, you wouldn't be mad at me right now. So, you know, I couldn't be mad at him. But it was just so funny that the one guy, you know, one of The one guy's there that I want to meet, you know, totally better, good fun. And like I said, he knows me by name now. I walk up to him, and he immediately starts laughing, so I guess that's a good thing. So what are you guys drinking? Uh, I am drinking uh, Shiner Bach from Texas. I'm drinking Sheep's South from Australia. Aren't you, uh, hmm. you're a beer maker, aren't you, Corey? Aren't you... Oh, yeah, uh, I have piddled with making beer, but no, yeah. I, I'm a beer drinker. Um, I thought one of you guys was a, was a, like a major league beer drinker. Who the hell was at at the Beckerhead thing? We're, that both, was, major, uh, we're both major league beer drinkers. Like no, 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 pros. no, makers, makers. Who, who uh, someone brought like a pony keg of beer? Of, that they uh, you're thinking of uh, the pointy end, Zach. Zach, uh, yeah. well, maybe. Yeah, that's who he's. Uh, if you're thinking about from the Becker gathering, Zach. That's what he said. Uh, the Becker. Yeah, he's he's a big maker. He's 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 the one that brought like pony keg. Brought him several. I bring growlers from local breweries. Down. He actually brings. Yeah, yeah, he's, yeah. He's one of the guys you were talking about that sits around doing nothing but stropping around the fire. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, 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 yeah. Something. But we don't get him shit because he brings beer, and we don't want that to stop. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't blame you there. That's important. Yeah, uh, and it's good beer too, man. It's yeah. Fantastic. yeah, I was I was pretty impressed, but yeah. for some reason I thought it was you that was making it. But I have piddled with making beer, but I just don't have time to make it uh, just because it takes me about two weeks to make the equivalent of uh, two cases of beer. And then Merv comes in about four hours and wipes that out. So it's really not <laughs> as far as time. Can <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> like, that's like, that's like curing meat. You know, it's like oh. you cure a bunch of meat or you dry a bunch of meat and you're like, you, you hate to even share it because you know it's going to go too fast. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. But as long as it's enjoyed, I mean, the timeline's not a big deal. Well, then that's why you ought to start making it, and I'll start drinking it. Well, yeah, but then <laughs> don't do that over here. <laughs> See if that logic still applies then. Yeah. <laughs> I know Kyle makes beer. <laughs> yeah, my brewery got flooded, though, so I can't, uh, I haven't made it for a long time, but I've got stocks of uh, mead, that, and I've got some strong uh, Belgian dark strongs and some barley wines that only get better with age. But. Oh, yeah. Mead's some pretty tasty stuff. Kyle's oh, a yeah. man of so many talents. I have no idea how he... We're trying to figure out where he finds time to do anything. Yeah. He works eight hours uh, a week. <laughs> throw your TVs <laughs> out. <laughs> he, he works eight hours <laughs> a week. And, and, I, and I've noticed that he's been considering considerably less prolific since he started watching The Walking Dead. Oh, oh that's probably yeah. true. Good for yeah. you, Bernie. Yeah, he's not been putting up a lot of videos lately because he's been watching The Walking Dead. <laughs> Actually, I've been trying to. Video. I'm, I've been trying to get uh, all the stuff that I sent off to you guys for heat treat, and I'm uh, the problem is is I so I I sent them like 31 blades, yeah. and I've got exactly four of them done. <laughs> oh, I thought you was gonna say I got exactly. Twenty-five of them back. Yeah, yeah. No, like so. I, I if everybody that listens to the podcast knows that I send uh, those guys my stuff for heat treat. Um, 
And, uh, but the problem is, is that, uh, now I get all these guys that want me to make them like some crazy custom thing. And what I need to do is stop taking those orders for a while and finish all the crap that is sitting in a box, you know. Um, it's interesting to me to see the stuff you've sent and, and to wonder what it's going to look like when it's finished. I mean, you know, because we've seen some of the projects, and I know it's not stuff you're broadcasting, but it's stuff that I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how it is going to be done. Yeah, well, the I, I have uh, about one more day of work, and the... Uh, I sent you guys five hunting knives, you know, just typical drop point hunters. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've got about one more day of work, and those will be done. Um, but one of the reasons I don't uh, advertise stuff is that if anybody finds out about a project, they're sold before I get them done. Oh, that's or somebody. A, yeah, you ought to be ashamed yeah. of yourself for that. <laughs> well, no, that, but then the thing is, is like I want to, I want to be able them. to. <laughs> Right, yeah, and then <laughs> the Walking Dead. Well, and then the the thing is, is the reason I try to keep stuff secret is I want to be able to offer stuff um, for sale, and instead of just making shit that is sold already for the yeah. same people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I, I could literally just just make shit, for, and people would just buy everything, and I wouldn't have to have a, you know, have any of it. But I kind of want to be able to offer it. Well, that's, What's that? Give him my number. <laughs> yeah, well, I do. <laughs> I do. Well, that's, that's what I've told Todd when you brought those in. I said, you know, I said, I know Kyle hates to show his stuff off because he sells it like before it's even for sale. I said, but there's like two of them I'm looking at here that I'm going to buy. I said, the minute they're on the market, they're gone. And he goes, he goes, well, don't tell him you've seen them. I said, well, he knows I'm here. <laughs> He's going to know I've seen them. But yeah, yeah. yeah. And let it be known right now, Kyle, rip his ass hairs out on him because he. <laughs> Working all kinds of over now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, um, how do people find you? Uh, well, like I, like we uh, covered earlier uh, about the website, how it'll all work itself oh, out. So, yeah, we'll be able to uh, uh, get all that up and going and, and contact me there. Uh, that is uh, tmhuntcustomnives.com. Uh, mm-hmm. I also, of course, am on got my own sub form on Blade Forms, and uh, Facebook has been uh, a pretty uh, pretty successful means of getting a hold of me as of late. And that is uh, as well TM Hunt Custom Knives on Facebook. So uh, there's a lot of uh, interesting things coming up. Uh, I'm actually, we're going to be in uh, the uh, first uh, issue of SRI Magazine coming up. First of the year. First of the year. Yeah, yeah. yeah we've got Sweet. a, we've got a uh, thing coming up on that. So uh, Brian Griffin will be writing that. Yeah, Brian yeah. Griffin will be writing that, a good friend of ours. And uh, he's got all kinds of stuff. I sent him two or three boxes worth of stuff to check out. So that's, <laughs> that's, that's going to be uh, neat. Uh, to see, and then we also got. I really can't let a whole lot out about it yet, but if you guys are big fans of reality survival shows, um, we've got something coming up that uh, probably around the same time. So, like I said, I can't let too much of that out, but we're real excited about that. So, sweet. Um, a lot of really cool things coming out. You know, we're not technically on Instagram, but I'm on Instagram, and I post a lot of our, our stuff out of there. Um, 
because I don't even know how you can run two Instagram accounts out of your phone. But uh, I've always had an Instagram, a Tumblr, a Facebook, all that. So I kind of led Todd into a lot of that stuff. Um, so a lot of stuff I post on my own personal stuff. And that's just under Murph Nuge. Um, so if you're on Instagram, you can find a lot of our stuff on there, too. Sweet. Well, anything else you want to add? Jim, do you have any other stuff you want to talk about? Or? What's, the, what's the hat you have on right now? Me or him? You. You. Uh, it's the uh, abrasives company, Phoenix Abrasives. Uh, oh, okay. That I, yeah, I get some of my belts from. Yeah, I can't see. It's, yeah, getting, it's getting kind of dark down there. Yeah. Yeah, well, well it's, it's 4 o'clock. 4 o'clock. <laughs> well, yeah. we're sitting with one window in here. Yeah. So. But, uh, yeah, Phoenix Abrasives, they were, uh, they've been hooking me up with some belts to try, actually. So, uh, the hat you, came You've had good luck with them. Yep. Yeah, I like them. They, I like uh, Sean, the sandpaper guy, Ryan. He, That's who I, he was sending me in, uh, stuff on Facebook for a long time. I had no idea who this guy was. kept wanting to send us samples, and I kept trying to get Todd to, hey, what do you want? What do you want? And we finally got it all worked out. I told him what we wanted, and we haven't gotten anything yet, but I think it's. I think he's playing with us like we played with him. Like We don't know what we want yet. And we let him on for uh, probably two or three months. Oh, well, I didn't lead him on. You did. You know, that's We got in touch with him at uh, at uh, the Blade Show, and yeah. he sent me with so much stuff. I'm like, dude, what do I owe you for this stuff? He's like, man, just let me know what you think about it. So right. I was like, okay, well, let me buy a hat. And he's like, no, here, take the hat. And I was like, well, damn, I was afraid to ask for anything else because I, yeah. <laughs> I didn't figure they'd have gas money to get home, you know? Yeah. But, uh, yeah, great, great group of guys, uh, uh, great product, and even the things that aren't so great, they, they want your input so they can make it better. And, and a, lot of, uh, a lot of places this day and age really don't have that kind of uh, customer service and uh, just a great, great group of guys. You know, it seems, like, it seems like companies that have identified that issue and have dealt with it, they seem to be make. They seem to be doing better than the people that don't want to deal with that. With, with and the, as the they customer service. Yeah, you know, it's, it yeah. just seems. Uh, uh, that's like one of the one of the things about uh, the U.S. market that seems to be making a big difference is guys that guys are willing to pay a little bit extra for good customer service. Well, and that's that's another thing that we talked about this uh, SRI article. I had a two hour. Uh, interview with uh, Brian Griffin and he asked me some stuff and he's like uh, uh, you know where do you want to be in a year and I was like well damn man I want to be right where I'm at right now but doing more and doing better but uh, I think uh, one thing that I want to provide and one thing that fascinates me about this craft is old school craftsmanship that is a dying art that you, that you don't see this day and age uh, I want to bring that sense of pride uh back to people um, because you know uh, my grandpa told me many many years ago when I was just a little kid before I was too young to even understand it he says you know a man is only as good as his last name and that's a big reason why I stamp my uh, name into my knives is because I don't want it to go away and uh, I'm not the best craftsman out there my knives aren't the best I'll be I'll be the first to admit that but they are the best I can do, the mm -hmm. best we can do, yep. and uh, you know that—that's what we want to offer. We want to offer that old school craftsmanship that you just can't go get, you know, 
at oh, that's important. That's important. Yeah. Well, uh, hey, thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, you know, we appreciate it. Pleasure. Thanks for helping us figure out Skype. Yeah, <laughs> maybe it'll be. Yeah, well. Uh, <laughs> yeah, now you now you know how to do it. It's yeah. it's really not hard. It's not scary. No, it's not. <laughs> and for some reason, I have ten dollars floating around on Skype that I don't need. Now, you know, as soon as we hang up, he's going to hit me up for ten bucks. You know that. What is, oh, you you paid for phone to, to dial into regular phone service. I, I guess that's what I paid for. They gave me the option twenty five dollars or ten dollars, and I went ten dollars. Nice. Because I don't know how much I need, but I wasn't going to do a subscription for one podcast, and I didn't know I need anything for a podcast. So. No, yeah. you can. Uh, that's so you can call regular phone numbers. I think. I won't do that then. I've got like, a <laughs> now, now you can make crank calls. Mm. Yeah, we'll, we'll wait till about 3 o'clock in the morning and try that on you. Now I'll, I'll call Howard Stern on Monday and get that thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Find out. Just ask him if uh, if he's got Prince Albert in a can. <laughs> Don't get that. Let him out. Tobacco. <laughs> His refrigerator's running, yeah. <laughs> or is your refrigerator running? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I know. I get it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You got anything well, else, Kyle? I got nothing. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. Really appreciate right. it. Take care, guys. Looking forward to you guys. All right. Take, take care. care. Yep. Bark River Knives offers the best combination of ultra-modern CNC components and old-world craftsmanship. All Bark River Knives are hand-convex ground and sharpened to perfect cutting geometry for the task they are designed to perform. Bark River Knives are available through our authorized dealers. Yeah, so the the interview was good. I, I had a good time talking to those guys, uh, and uh, everybody's gonna probably bitch that the audio quality was a little bit lower. But um, you know, that's unfortunately we, nobody's paying us to have like this big fancy studio that we can fly guests in, so we have to do it over <laughs> Skype. This is the knife industry, after all, people. <laughs> you show hey, up to a knife a... show in a motorhome. <laughs> <laughs> hey, a we have a, uh, we, yeah, but we're known for our, our good uh, um, audio. Though. Yeah, we try. I will say that. We try. I will say that. Yep, yep. So what's new with you? You making knives like crazy, I see. Yeah, I, I think I have the Hamon process nailed down thanks to Sean Hatcher. Um, mm -hmm. So you can, uh, let me find his website, give him a plug. He really helped me out. He put some links up on... Uh, on our uh, forum, Hatcher Ooh. Knives. So you want to go to Hatcher Knives, H-A-T-C-H-E-R Knives.com and see all the glorious stuff that he makes. He does these fantastic uh, multi-segmented handles with, uh, he, he does wood. He, I mean, he, it's just crazy the, the amount of stuff he's able to do. I, I have not successfully jumped into the segmented hat handle uh thing yet just because <laughs> man getting those pieces to fit perfectly with the tools that i have available is very difficult i don't have a table saw and i'm yes. never going to get one ever yeah yeah i like my fingers yeah, i don't blame you yeah so what is um <clears throat> has you got a facebook page uh, let me see um i know he's he's is got it his, jason 
Is it Jason Hatcher? Uh, let me look. I, I don't know. Maybe he'll maybe he'll write us and send us an email if there's any other way he wants uh, people to contact him. Let me look on uh, Facebook Hatcher Knives. Yeah, I don't think he's got a business page for that. Huh. So. <clears throat> so we're, we. Um, my whole coal experiment is interesting as hell. Mm hmm. I have to. Uh, I can only burn coal when it's super, super cold. Mm hmm. And uh, I think I got a. Uh, I got a message from. Uh, um. From somebody about clinkers, gigantic clinkers. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you what, I have gigantic clinkers. Yeah, you um, burn enough coal, you're going to get them. <laughs> yeah, yep. And Kathy's like, what the hell is that stuff? And I said, it's rock. <laughs> I said, it's rock after everything's burned out of it. Yeah. <clears throat> she said, well, that's not cool. I said, well, our driveway is getting covered with clinkers. Yeah. So we can drive down, smush them down and. It's almost like pavement. I mean, the stuff is amazing. Yeah, it's, and it's, it's not pretty real, strong. It's not real heavy. Yeah, it's not real yeah, heavy. It's, light, it's like uh, lava rock almost. For, it's, mm -hmm. it's that consistency yeah. for people that don't know. And then if you've been uh, pounding uh, red-hot steel in there um, and uh, your forge gets a little bit too hot, you will also have clinkers with little bits of uh, molten steel in them. Oh, so, that's interesting. Uh, it was interesting that I... That I um, um, oh, somebody's making fun of my sauna. S-A-U-N-A. <laughs> Apparently, I did a, a video. Well, I did a video. And <laughs> I put uh, sauna instead of S-A-N-A. And my, uh, my good buddy, David, was quick to point out that it was sauna. Hmm. <laughs> I say, and I I misspelled it, but Santa, Santa time. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. <sighs> yeah, but boy, it made me feel better. I had the flu. We're we're battling the flu up here mm. because uh, our CDC apparently missed the missed the uh, um, the call on the 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 varieties of flu that are going around. Well, it happens. Yeah, I mean yeah, it's it's based on predictive models, just like global warming. <laughs> Only most of the time, <laughs> most of the time when they're predicting the flu strains, they get it right. <laughs> yeah, they're pretty good usually. The computer models for global warming are zero for ten million. <laughs> yeah. So I don't yeah. know. Um. S a u n a. Hmm. Yeah, they. Uh, it was kind of funny. They. Um, uh, When when uh, they came out with that finding, apparently they had a, a inordinate number of people that were getting the flu earlier. Even if they had, even if they had the the flu shot, mm -hmm. I mean, Kathy and I both have. We've always gotten our flu shots, and we rarely, really get the flu. And uh, <clears throat> and thank goodness for Tamiflu. I tell you what. Yeah, that stuff. If you if you feel like you're coming down with the flu, see if you can get a script for Tamiflu because that really. Yep. It, it makes the experience oh so much better. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Well, Kathy was Kathy's symptoms actually. The first day she was it, she got it on a Saturday and she was pretty much down the whole day Saturday. 
kind of in bed and not feeling well. And um, she took a Tamiflu about nine o'clock in the morning, and by five that evening, she was feeling pretty good. Hmm. Yeah, which really surprised me. Yeah, I think I can't remember what the exact numbers are, but I think if you catch it within like the first forty-eight hours and start taking Tamiflu, it uh, it will short circuit it what it what it stops the it stops the replication process yeah and you don't get as sick yeah but, yeah i i mean i haven't had to have it for years i haven't do you get you get a flu shot every year despite yeah. what jenny yeah. mccarthy says <laughs> well i think i think uh it was kind of funny because kathy tried to get a a script she's right well she was doctorless until <clears throat> until uh friday when uh um my doc was on vacation another doctor that i know uh called my script in for for tamiflu because i was at that time i wasn't symptomatic and i was thinking nah, i don't want to get this shit and so this other doctor i know called it in called in a script for me and um while i had her on the phone i said hey uh are you taking new patients and she said well not really and she said, uh, I said, well, why? And I said, well, I said, Kathy's kind of looking. She's, all of her doctors have become hospitalists. That's the latest thing, you know, since, since Obamacare. Um, it was actually started before that, but it really kicked in after yeah, Obamacare. Yeah, it's, it's a generational thing. Yeah, they, they are just like, they don't want to see, they just want to see people in the hospital. Well, can I they make the rounds? That's the end well, of that. Well, can I? Can I give you a little bit of insight from the medical world? Um, yeah, go ahead. So I've I've been uh, I've I've paid attention to the medical world since about 1978. So I've seen quite a few changes in in the demographics of physicians practicing and things. Um, so in the late 70s, early 80s, most physicians were in private practice and, and tons and tons of people were in solo private practice, meaning you hang a shingle and you just go at it. And that's that's kind of the way it was. That generation of physicians was the boomers. And uh, back then you could do it because you were actually paid fairly well. Um, see, what, what people don't understand is when they when you get a bill from a doctor and your visit costs uh, 60 bucks, That it's not like $60 goes from you to your doctor's wallet. Um, that, that $60 pays to keep the lights on, um, pays for health insurance for all the employees that are working there, pays people to answer the phones, blah, blah, blah. You know, basically that office is paid for with that 60 bucks, and, and your physician might get a few dollars of that after all the overhead and taxes and things. Most... Most, uh, especially primary care f practices, run you know a very efficient primary care practice would be about sixty percent overhead, and most of them are over eighty percent. So, of your sixty dollar fee, eighty percent of that's going just to keep the doors open, just to break even. Um, so, back then, you were paid enough uh, through Medicare and private insurances and things like that that. Um, those costs of keeping your office open were covered. Uh, and uh, physician fees, uh, the, the rate that, the, the actual dollar amount that physicians are paid. So say you go in for uh, an office visit and it's an hour-long visit. Medicare 
uh, is going to pay just for argument. I'm just going to make it a round number, a hundred bucks for that hour long visit. Uh, you, physician fees have been frozen since I think it, it was like 94 or 96, 1994 or 1996 at, for that visit, it's a hundred bucks. So you've had 20 years of inflation and 20 years of escalating costs in other areas of the practice and the actual dollar amount that you're getting for those visits has not changed. So what you're seeing, if you see anybody in private practice anymore, they're either somebody like me that just runs on no overhead and just does things on the cheap and has worked out deals um, with hospitals to, to be able to rent specialty clinic and lease employees from them. Or they're people that have had assets from back in a time when you were actually paid well for your practice. So all of the practice infrastructure was built back when you were actually paid well enough to build it. Um, and so what you're seeing now is all those guys that have those sort of legacy practices like that are retiring. Mm -hmm. And it's going away. And, you know, it, you, you take a, a medical grad um, straight out of uh, residency it's going to be the tiniest percentage that, that is even going to be able to set up a practice. You'd have to be independently wealthy, or you'd have to be extremely clever in how you do things. And most, most people just aren't clever, number one. Most people are not independently wealthy. They come out with three dollars $400,000 in debt after residency. And so for them to open a practice and for you to have a doctor like that just is not economically feasible anymore. That, I think that's a big problem. Well, anyway, back on track with the podcast. Um, you know, yeah, I think okay. I think we're gonna. I think in healthcare we're going to see um, fewer and fewer physicians, and more of the healthcare being taken over by uh, by uh, mid levels like nurse practitioners and PAs. And you know, listen, th these are the choices that you guys made, and and uh, yep. there you go. Yeah, and it's it's a uh, for better for worse. That's what we're going to live with. And I think, to be honest, before Obamacare, I think we were heading that yeah, direction. Yeah, it, it, it didn't change it, much. It, it it is accelerating the process. You're going to see fewer and fewer people, um, ab actually economically able to start a practice. Um, and then there's a there's generational differences. You know, like uh, yeah, it you know people now. Like uh, in in earlier generations of physicians, like they basically just were physicians. They were nothing else. They they their families a lot of times were neglected. You know, it's just one of those generational things. You were your job, mm -hmm. and now people are like wanting. You know, these are choices that people make, but people are wanting more balance um, with their life, and they kind of want to have uh, their job be their job and not who they are. And that's a that's a generational right. thing, and right. so with that generational change, you're going to see that reflected in the care that you get. Right, you know? and it's such a commitment. Um, you don't see very many doctors that that went through med school, started out working in the field, and then said, "Oh, fuck this! I'm not doing this anymore. I'm going to go do something else." Oh, they do though. <laughs> there, I know, but there's not a lot of it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you you think you have I to mean, it's because it's such a commitment that. Yeah, I mean, what you'll see is you'll see um, you'll see people who went and and did the practice thing for a while, 
and said, I'm sick of this. These people are driving me nuts. Uh, I'm just going to do locum tenens work. And they'll go and work for a couple weeks at one place or even a, a few months. And then they'll move on to the next place. Um, which is not a bad way to do it if you don't have kids. Um, you know, right. so a lot, you'll see a lot of older physicians do that or physicians who are single or for whatever reason, you know, they'll, they'll just, uh, become, uh, uh, travelers like that. Um, and then, you know, other people will, um, quit and just retire. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll tell you, it's not, it's not an easy life. I, I know that the doctor that Kathy works with is having a fun right now with uh, the paperwork because he's a he's an old school dude he's about like 70 years old loves loves to practice mm -hmm. and has saw all those changes yeah he's not happy yeah i mean well and then and then the thing is is like the the paperwork that they're demanding does nothing to improve your care it, right. it if anything it takes away from your care because you know the doctor has a set amount of time to give you and if um you know, and that's just that's just the reality. There's only so much time uh, that they can allocate to each visit, and if half of that visit is taken up with doing paperwork, um, which it is, then you know your care is half of what it could be if the paperwork requirements were so weren't so onerous. But anyway, enough right. about that. It's a boring topic to me. I don't like talking about it. <laughs> okay, so I got an email. Okay, and it uh, it's it's. I don't know if you've not seen this uh, <clears throat> this movie. I would highly recommend it. Um, it's a movie recommendation from um, uh, Peter, a fellow named Peter. And uh, he says, I know you've recommended on the podcast some movies and shows that focus on the outdoors before, so I thought I'd share one with you. It's called Happy People, A Year in the Taiga. Yeah. Have you seen this? I haven't, but I'll watch it. It's on Netflix. Yep. Um it's a great knife and axe uh, usage features, featuring trappers, fisher, fishermen, and craftsmen, always with dogs, which I thought would make Jim happy, <laughs> who, live in the, who live in a harsh region of Russia. Uh, these people live hard lives, and it's a marvel to see them do this in this film. It's on Netflix. So is it a documentary, or is it a fiction? Yeah, it, it is. And, and when you watch it, you'll, you'll just be amazed. Yeah. I mean, you'll, you'll be absolutely... You know, it's like the... It's like the Laplanders. You know, when you watch a documentary on the Laplanders, you, you you're amazed at what they can do with a with with edge tools. Mm -hmm. And this movie makes them look silly. Well, <laughs> I shit you not. This is an amazing, uh, uh, amazing group of people, and they are tough as nails. Yeah. The um, I'm trying to think. Uh similar experiences i've had were um you know if you go out into the middle of the jungle where you're a week's walk away from the nearest town you'll see people that that do everything in their life with a machete and yeah. they'll they'll go and they'll hack down a palm tree and get you know beat beat the palm leaves against a stump or something and then they'll have like natural fiber and they'll like you know weave a big bowl and I mean, it, it's or baskets, and I mean, it's just crazy the what these guys can do. Um, 
And I, I suppose it's well, the I'll same you, thing. Imagine with the it. Other. Imagine it in freaking four feet of snow. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's a lot harder to live in taiga than it is to live in jungle. And it's, and I know this is, from personal experience. <laughs> it's it is absolutely an amazing piece. Uh, it's very very well done. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. It's all a lot of it's in subtitles. Um, but happy people, a year in the taiga. And it's it's on Netflix. It's very very good, very well done, uh, and it just makes you want to chop a tree down and make a pair of skis so, out of the tree. So were they really happy, or were they like most of the other people I know? You from know the what? It, <laughs> no, actually, it was kind of interesting because the fellow that they were interviewing was he. I mean, they're very pragmatic. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's it's a. Uh, I mean, it's a harsh environment. Yeah. I mean, it's it's probably the harshest environment on earth. Yeah, it's right. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, way way I mean, worse I, than jungle is. Jungle is easy yeah. living, man, compared to trying to yeah. get by in in taiga. Yeah, and so that so they're not. Um, um, I mean, they're trapping critters, fur animals. This, the the fellow they spent a lot of time with, he's trapping uh, uh, fur fur bearing animals uh -huh. for. Uh, and I'm trying to think of what he, what he's trapping weasels and some something else anyways. like minks but, and such. Uh, yeah, and yeah. sables. And they, um, sable. Yeah. Yep, That's sable the is the one thing. that they. Yep, they do a lot of sable. Well, um, so that so that in, that in Russia the lady can have on like Adidas sweatpants and a sable coat. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yep. Yep. Well, I tell you, you need it. I yeah. mean, it's it's interesting. I mean, the the guys had snowmobiles. Uh -huh. Uh, and they would they would go out into their winter cabin for like three months, mm -hmm. and then they'd come home for Christmas and New Year's, and they'd go back out right after New Year's and, and continue on. And they were with their dog. That was it. That's cool. And they had they, it was like uh, I had to laugh because they had the guy was the, the the main character is a trapper and he's coming home from his cabin, 150 kilometers, and he makes the run. Takes him one day on a snowmobile to make that run, mm. and the dog. That he's got with him, I mean, they hunt with dogs, and that's part of their yeah. uh, their thing. Each each guy has his own dog, and that dog hunts with him. And they they look like sled dogs, they look like Eskimo dogs, like some kind of a husky or ouch, husky or Malamute or something like that. And um, that dog runs the whole way, never gets on. That his dog isn't going to live long. <laughs> <laughs> well, he said he said that they don't. Oh, yeah. He said that they live. Uh, uh, they have a harsh life, and. Uh, um, and he said they, they sometimes don't live seven years. Yeah, they, there's no, yeah. And, and they said that sometimes, uh, he has, he had a dog that was older and he kind of, you could tell he was really, uh, he was a real animal lover. I'm, I'm sure Peter really loved him. He was really concerned about the, um, the traps, the way that, the way that he set his traps up and he was using trap technology. That's like a hundred years old, 200, 300 years old. And, uh, he was saying that, uh, you know, we want a trap that kills instantly so that the animal doesn't suffer. And um, and then he devised a, a method of, of when the trap was, was sprung, it, it kept the animal out of reach of everything else. So nothing else could get it after the tra after the critter was killed. It was uh, hoisted up out of the way to where another animal could not get it while it was in his trap. Mm, cool. And then, of course, they were froze solid. When oh yeah, them, yeah. Because it was you know twenty below zero constantly. Yeah. So uh, very interesting. I I would um, 
I can't say that enough. If you you watch it, you'll you'll enjoy it. Yeah, I mean it's good. I mean I'm going to watch your it. Kids will watch. Yeah, there's it. a I have a book recommendation uh, along those lines from uh, you know Northern Russia called Tiger, and we're my wife and I are kind of reading it together right now. But I, um, anyway, it's about this guy that goes in Russia to track and it's a true story track down this like man eating tiger. Oh. But we're not very far into it, so I don't know how it ends. But it's pretty good book. Um, but uh, if in that documentary, if the guy actually spoke English, he'd be like, "In Russia, we have no time for this. You assholes with your TV. You know, they're just so fucking pissed off all the time. They're like, "No, I'm not doing it this way. I take trap. I put next to tree. I don't care if animals suffer." Fuck animal. I just don't want other animal to eat him. So I make it so it whisk him up into tree. You know, it, it'd be better if, if they were trying to, if they tried to like get the guy to speak English, because you know he'd just be like bitter and stuff, because he has to live that yeah. hard life. But that's that's the way it that's, is up there, man. That's rough. Oh yeah. And then and then oh, you yeah. add to it that their government is always screwing him over, and and like, yep. you know. They get into territorial fights, I'm sure, and like it's a very difficult life. Yep. Um, yep. That um, you know, there was a there was a uh, movie that I happened to be catch watch a part of um, last night when I fell asleep on it, anyways. Um, and it was called The Hunter. You ever seen this? Uh, Guy who's hunting the Tasmanian tiger. Uh huh. And uh, so, like the last Tasmanian tiger in existence. And it's William Defoe was in it. Okay. And uh, there was he's in Australia in this Australian bush, looking for a Tasmanian. It's kind of an interesting, hmm. you know. He's he's a pretty hardcore woodsman, hardcore hunter, and he's setting all these traps trying to find uh, trying to find this Tasmanian tiger because it's like the last one. Hmm. And uh, I th- I'm not sure they they said that they were extinct. Um, but there is a group of people that believes that they're still around. Yeah, they're just so cagey that nobody can find them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. Have you ever heard of them? Ta- yeah, um. they kind of look like a uh, um, shit. I don't. Even, they they have tiger stripes on. Their yeah, body, they, they look weird look like though. A, yeah, I, I've yeah. I've seen photos and stuff, but I I think they are pretty rare. I, if they're not extinct, I, I mean, I don't know. But anyway, I got. Uh, uh, feedback on the last podcast. Oh, good or bad? Uh, our illustrious moderator did not like uh, the Caddyshack opening music. So, in honor of him, I'm having a uh, bad music segment. And I'm going to cue the music now. And uh, while this is going on, just so that I can troll the uh, other people who bitch about stuff, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell a bushcraft story. Uh, to the Yanni and and Zamfir pan flute stuff, and I'm going to tell it in NPR voice. So we were out in the woods, uh, just me and my knife, and I made a kuska, and then I spent six hours whittling, kindling down into toothpick-sized stuff so that I could have my five-minute fire to boil water. And then it got dark, so I walked back to my apartment. So that's uh annoying music segment and uh, bushcraft story for our illustrious moderator. That's funny. <laughs>
That's funny. Well, you know what's what Kathy cracked me up because I, uh, she was she was. You know how do you have do you have Pandora? Uh, oh, for the love of God! Pandora is uh, kind of interesting. Uh, it's it's different music channels. Pretty much, you can type in any particular kind of music that you want to hear, and mm-hmm. it's on Pandora. Okay. And it's like it's like internet radio, and uh, one of the on on my um, on my Pandora I have things that Kathy has likes music that she likes music that I like, and it's a it's a real wide s- selection of music. Well, one of them is is um, that Zamfir music. Oh no! Yeah, <laughs> and, and, <laughs> and and so I have it on I have it on scramble, so that. So that nobody you can never see know what you're the, listening to. Well, <laughs> so no, they don't know and, that and, you're listening to it. <laughs> yeah. So it comes up just every once in a while. It just comes okay. up. And she'll she'll say, what the hell is that? <laughs> it's like, oh, that's my Zen music. <laughs> <laughs> I, I listen to this while I'm, like, bushcrafting. Yeah. And getting in touch with nature. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, Have you ever seen any it's, of these... Like these guys with these like quote unquote bushcraft channels, like the really popular ones, and this is this is where this uh, trope comes from that I'm using. The really popular ones will have like some guy um, dressed up in like a costume, so it's it's basically wilderness cosplay. So he puts on like oh yeah, um, you know the the 1800s trapper shit, and. Yeah. Uh, you know, meanwhile, you know he drove up in, like, some fancy car and he lives in a nice house and all this, but... You know, he probably drove up in a Subaru. Yeah, a Subaru or a, a Volvo or a Saab. Or a Prius. <laughs> yeah. So he goes... Or, or a Prius. Yeah, so he, he goes out and he's got all this shit on that, I mean, is... Th- there's a reason we changed from those shitty-ass clothing people. Because they suck. Okay, there's a reason we don't wear leather underwear anymore, people. Um, and it's it's great that you can go out and do your wilderness cosplay videos. So anyway, you got this guy that he goes out and uh, he's he goes out and you know they sh- they do all these like slow pan shots of like lakes that you know like right on right out of frame is a is a apartment complex, right? <laughs> And they'll show like a waterfall, and you know it's like five feet off the trail, and there are like a ton of tourists like taking pictures of waterfall and stuff. And then they'll go up, and they'll have Zamfir playing underneath, and and he'll sit there with uh, some five hundred dollar custom knife. Uh, most of them. Some of them like to slum and use a piece of shit Mora. And oh my God, I just said Moras are a piece of shit. I'm gonna get in trouble. So they they take this piece of shit Mora knife. And they sit there for hours. They take a, a piece of wood and they split it into like the individual fibers, you know, because that's important. And then they'll like have this like kuska that they've like whittled. And like this is stupid, okay? Kuskas are retarded. They weigh like 10 pounds. It takes like six hours to make one. And you've just wasted this huge piece of wood from some poor tree that you probably chopped down. And, and like they sit there and they, they have this stupid looking cup with stupid like fires that are like burned for three seconds because the wood is all hair hair width wood and he spent six hours building this and they show every goddamn cut like they show everything and like this zamphir is playing in the background and they they sit there and they make this huge pile of basically 
fine kindling. If you even look at it funny or if the sun hits it, it's gonna explode. And and they, they go to all this effort to boil one cup of water. You know, and that's supposed to be like some big outdoor like to me that's hell. That's not like that's not fun. <laughs> like that that's not going out and enjoying the wilderness. That's hell. Like if you're gonna tell me that I have to process for six hours some wood down into into shavings so that I can boil a cup of water. No, like, so so that's the trope that I'm, when I make fun of the kuskas and all of that, it's those very, very popular YouTube channels that feature that kind of bullshit. <laughs> so I'm in trouble. I like that stuff. I'm in trouble. I like that stuff. Well, personally, I, a, I have a kuska. You don't burn your lips on them. Oh, God. With your hot, with your hot, uh, your hot, um, uh, coffee. Oh. Actually, they don't. They drink tea, though, don't they? Yeah, the, and and, and here's the thing: it's not like they can go to the effort of bringing along a fucking tea bag. They have to go out and get like collect like uh, pine needles that have raccoon shit on them. And then hey, I like pine needle tea. I go in my backyard <sighs> and I grab pine needles and I make fucking pine needles. Well, tea. listen, I, more power to you. Lots of but vitamins. They'll do that, Lots and then they'll grab C. all these other like weird things that probably have arsenic in them. And they brew up this. <laughs> they brew up these like weird teas um, that don't taste good, and uh, they they don't really know what's in it. Um, and they do it because you know they're just so knowledgeable about wilderness plants. And then meanwhile, um, they go back with Giardia and infect their whole fucking town. Would you ever notice? Or they come really to my pool and shit really in our skinny. in our uh, in our public pool so that our whole fucking town gets sick. Oh yeah, that really? happened. Oh yeah! Oh, this is disgusting. <laughs> did you did you ever notice how they're either they're either really skinny or they're really heavy? Yeah, there's no there's because, no because they either have they're either they're either have giardia and they've lost all their weight or they're just lying about what they're eating. Yeah, in the woods. and I and I have like I have a personal grudge against this because I, I went uh, and did this. I'm not going to say where I went and what course it was, but I did a course and it was run by these damn bush hippies. And like we we were all like purifying our water and stuff, but the bush hippies were not, you know, because they had I have natural probiotics that protect me. Fuck you do. Giardia is a parasite and there's no natural probiotic that's gonna do that. So we're all purifying our water and uh, these damn hippies, of course, they're the ones that parcel out the food with their fecal fingers with Giardia all over them. So I get back from this damn course and everything's fine, right? And uh, two weeks later, I wanted to die. And I had like some terrible like infection, Giardia, and I was sick for a month from that. I lost like 40 pounds and I wanted to die. So like you people in your damn like natural teas and all this stuff, just stop with that. <laughs> use a tea bag and use bottled water because you know you have it along anyway and I'm sick of you trying to make your stupid video to make this point <laughs> that's funny anyway and that's pretty funny I don't know sorry I had to rant there that's alright that's uh, alright I feel better okay so so I like uh, I like um, the lonely shepherd what's that that's from Kill Bill uh, I need to see the movie. Really? Uh -huh. It's got swords in it. You should see it. Yeah, I'm not a sword guy. I'm not really a sword guy. 
Okay, so look up the Lonely Shepherd and and uh, put some of that music in here. Okay, the Lonely I'll Shepherd by Zamfir. The Lonely Shepherd. I think I've put that on our. Uh, whenever I do bushcraft stories, I put uh, Zamfir under it. <laughs> that's the one that's like na 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 na. Is that the one? Yes. Yeah, yeah. We've we've yeah. had that on the podcast before when I was yeah. ranting about bushcraft. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, well, you know, I think it's. I, I do think it is funny though. Because I grabbed a magazine the other day, and I and I do this. I don't even know why I do it. I get every time I grab one, I get annoyed uh-huh. because I see the same writers that are were writing for somewhere else dressed some other way, mm-hmm. and they all like want to dress up in costumes and want us to believe that there's something else. Right. Well, uh, you know, uh, and the reality of it is, they're just writers. They can write a lot, write fast, and and uh, they can, you know. They had their son take pictures of them, or yeah, or their like, wife, and they're like literally like two feet from the car, and you know, mm-hmm. and, and actually that whole like eighteen hundreds cosplay thing, um, there's a certain there's a there's like a certain ex reality show person who's who's really gotten oh, into dude. the eighteen uh, hundreds cosplay thing now. He's got he dresses yeah. up like a he's got like a vest on. And like a puffy shirt and all this, like he's really into. Did it you now. see? Did you happen to? You don't have TV, so I know you didn't see this. Uh-huh. But the other day, uh, if you could find this on the internet, have you heard of the show Naked and Afraid? Yes, people are always telling me about it and how they it, want it's, me to it's go on actually, it. And I'm like, no, I'm not. No way. I'd go. I'd go on it, but no everybody'd be jealous. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, yeah. the the. Um, uh, they had the other day, and and I don't watch this show. It's not something I watch. It's it's I, I I don't see the point of it. But I happened to be flipping through the channels the other night, and Kathy and I were sitting there, just kind of relaxing at the end of the day, and there was a show on, and it was what they had done was they had all of the couples that were on there, they were interviewing them uh-huh. about what their experience was and how you know how awkward everything was and. And um, and it was kind of interesting, you know. It kind of piqued our interest, and we watched it. And then what followed was uh, two guys that were on it, uh-huh. and they were they were they were kind of spoofing it. But it was done by the people that did Naked and Afraid. It was hilarious, absolutely hilarious. Yeah, the, and so we watched that and, and laughed our asses. The off. whole nudity thing, I think you would get over in about two seconds because it's not sexual nudity. No, it's, well, what they what what everybody was saying was there was a there was a um, a level of uncomfortability, and it wasn't because of the other person; it was because that they were getting like sand in the crack of their ass and, and, and bug bites. That's <laughs> and yeah, bug that's bites. the problem. You you know, you go out with no clothing on, you're going to be covered head to toe in bug bites. And, yeah, and that's what they were, and they, and they always seem to be in some kind of tropical type region. Yeah, where you're just going to be instead of alive. Go, yeah, instead of being up here where it's snowy. Yeah, but they were, but they were saying, uh, you know, like um, uh, hygiene is a, is very difficult when you're out for 21 days with no clothes on, which I don't quite. No, it's not. That, Go swim. It seems like it would be just safe. Yeah, swim every yeah, day. It seems like it would be pretty easy. Yeah. And um, and they were covering, most of the people were covering, covering themselves with mud or with fire ash, um, like charcoal. Yeah. Like black stuff, you know, to, to try to keep the bugs away from them. Wonder if Which it may worked. or may not work, I don't know. Yeah, no, I, 
it 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 I, I've experimented with all sorts of methods and you still get your ass eaten up. It may make yep. you feel better to rub a bunch of like mud all over you, but it's not gonna stop the bugs. <laughs> right. Well and the other thing too that was kind of funny is they, they had leeches, you know, and one of the guys says, I got a leech on my testicles and he said that was not comfortable. <laughs> yeah. He said that was freaking me out and Yeah, leeches. One of the girls are gross. is going one of the ladies is saying, Yeah, and I got sand in my JJ and mm. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was funny. Yeah, well, it was funny. Yeah, I, I don't I don't really watch TV, so I've never seen the show, but I'm sick of hearing about it. And well, I, I you know, and I, it, it didn't get me interested enough to watch the show. I just happened yeah. to watch all of these other. It was like the interview interview. Yeah, yeah, was was kind of interesting. Yeah, hey, do you want? Some? Now, I did watch a show. I did watch a show the other night that I found kind of intriguing. And it was called Yukon Men. Okay, and that was. That was pretty good. There are people living up in the Yukon and their their lifestyle that you know. Hmm. So do you, where they're trying, you know, fishing for do, for their dogs all the time. That and, sounds good. You know, dealing with yeah. Yeah. You want to hear um, uh, some actual knives in the news? Knives in the news. I know that there was some stabbings. Well, here you go. Um, USA Today has uh, man. With knife survives attack by five hundred and twenty-five pound bear. <laughs> yeah, I stabbed it. Sta I saw that this yep. morning. Stabbed it in the face. And uh, yeah, we can we can talk more about that. But um, that's uh, typically if people sur survive attacks with bears and with large cats, it's because they had a knife with them. Yep. Um, let's see, uh, CBS, New York, a. Uh, Knife-wielding suspect who stabbed student in Brooklyn synagogue, shot and killed by police. That's uh, 7.29 this morning. That's racist. Yeah, I'm sure it is. Um, oh, one from Iowa. Uh, from the Iowa City Gazette. Iowa City man accused of break-in, comma, knife threat. <laughs> so, um, Iowans are misbehaving. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so, um, some knife, knife attacks, uh, knife used to fend off bears. Good, good stuff in, uh, knife news today. Um, I actually heard a story yesterday about a guy that that uh, killed a grizzly bear with his bare hands. Oh man! Um, the bear bit him. Basically, shoved his whole arm in the bear's mouth. The bear was gonna chomp down on it, and he grabbed like his hand went down the bear's throat. Yeah. And the bear couldn't chomp down because he was trying to breathe because he cut off his airway. Okay. And he suffocated the bear. Nice. And never and never got bit. That's pretty hardcore there. <laughs> that's what I that's what I thought too. I thought, holy shit. Yeah. So uh uh do you want should we do a uh Walking Dead update? 
yeah, because I'm on my hiatus. Okay. I'm on my winter hiatus right now. They're they're not having a new episode until uh, um, February. Okay. I guess February. So um, I finished season four. So I you're just cranking out. Yeah, well we we watch uh we, after the kids go to bed we'll watch like 15 20 minutes. And it, it really uh-huh. doesn't take long to get through a whole bunch right. of them if you do it when, every night. When you pull out the commercials, yeah. yeah. And so uh so last night So the um, end of end of season 4, that was they they're still in the pres- in the prison? No, they're they long just gone. Left the prison. Yeah, no, they they uh just made it to terminus. Okay. So, <laughs> okay. So the okay. So I have a couple points to make. Um, let's see. So Carl got buggered, uh, unfortunately, by a biker guy, and then yep. uh, Carl's dad all stabbed up the biker guy, um, which I thought he had coming to him. Uh, yeah. And uh, let's see what else happened. Oh, the other thing I've noticed about. Uh, about this series, um, no matter what, Carl's name is always yelled. He's always like, yeah, and it's always different, and it's never pronounced correctly. He's always like, oh, right. <laughs> oh, no. well, that's what. Remember when we first? <laughs> remember when we first started doing this? I was watching that, and I was calling you, call. <laughs> yeah, oh, I was. I was talking he doesn't about. Even, sometimes he doesn't even say the C. Sometimes he's just like, oh. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know it. I know it. it's funny. It's it's hilarious. But I think uh, it, Carl's less annoying than he was previously. Um, he's yeah. gotten less annoying as the series has gone on. But um, uh, and it sucks that he got buggered. Um, so I don't know. And now they're locked in a train car. So yeah. I, I mean, I yeah. actually am interested. Well, wait, in wait till five. you see the season opener for season five. Well. Ah! You're gonna go. My wife was freaked out because what had happened was, um, we when when it's on the regular TV, what they do is they'll play at a certain time, uh-huh. and then they'll skip a little while. Oh, excuse me. Then a couple hours later, they'll play it again. Uh-huh. And we had we recorded, so a lot of times we'll fall asleep on it. And um, or we'll, or we won't watch it at all, but the TV turns on and records while while we're sleeping. Uh-huh. Well, she woke up and the TV was on uh-huh. and it was the opening scene for season five, and she literally rewound it, woke me up. It's like three o'clock in the morning. You can't believe what they just did. You can't believe it. I can't believe it. And she was just like over and over and over again. I was like, "What do you got insomnia?" <laughs> She's like, no. She said it woke me up, and then I, I saw this scene, and I freaked out. And so she made me watch it, and I was like, holy shit. <laughs> so when you see that part, you're going to go, whoa. I'll be like, whoa. whoa. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. Well, I know um, you can actually get it on uh, You can get it on Amazon Prime. I don't really oh, want to pay it. Oh, it is on Prime it, now? Though. Yeah, it is on Walking Prime? Dead um, season five, episode one. Uh, you can get for two bucks, but I don't know. Oh, 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 oh! See, and I think of Prime. I think of the movies that are for free on Prime. No, I have a yeah, Prime no. account. Um, I do too. But I know, you, I know you can. I know you can get them without. I think you're pirated. Oh really? I don't know how to do that. Yeah, 
I don't either, but I know there are people that have told me that they know how to do it. So I know that there's people that watch it without TV. <laughs> That'd be nice, huh? Yeah. Do you have a do you have a Chromecast, a Google Chromecast, or anything like that that hooks your computer up to your uh -uh. TV? Chromecast is kind of interesting because you can watch YouTube videos on your TV. That'd be nice. Yeah, just a little dongle that you plug into the back of your TV set. Yeah, and that that works real well if you can plug it into uh, you plug it into a USB port on the back of the TV. Okay. And you can basically run your computer and, and watch the videos, the YouTube videos on your TV. Awesome. Mm-hmm. So, um, did I talk about my eyeball shot? Uh-uh. My deer that I killed last week? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We talked about that. Okay. Okay, so we talked about that. I, I started butchering it the other day, and uh, we ate venison, dreamy, dreamy, dreamy venison. Oh. Nice. Did uh, um, I did something different on the the? Normally, I would just pan fry with um, with flour and salt and pepper, uh -huh. in and pan fry in butter, and uh, and I would use regular white flour. This time, I used semolina flour. Oh, okay. And it had a little bit different texture yep. to it. It was good. Yeah. It was very good. Yeah. It'll. Uh... I, I started uh, eight pounds of uh, dried beef over the weekend. Oh, nice! Yeah, so nice. It's gonna it'll sit in in cure for um, until this weekend, and then I'll I, actually I I misremembered something. So in the past, I've said that you don't cook the dried beef, and I had to go back and rewatch the video that I made of doing it. Um, and actually, the first batch I smoked, and I I think I smoked it to like. 150 or something i don't know it's in the it's in the episode but um this time i don't feel like running my smoker so when it's all said and done i'll probably just put it in the oven and uh and well you know what i did it. with mine i i i cold smoke mine the the first batch that i did i cold smoked mine hmm. and then and then dried it after that so it never got over 100 degrees in yeah. the smoker I, and it worked really well. Yeah, I haven't I haven't decided. I mean, if it's nice this weekend, I'll probably just quick fire up the smoker if I have time and do it. But we'll see. Um, otherwise, I'll just do it in the oven. And then you hang it and dry it. And in the video, I said hang it for like a week. And I ended up um, hanging it for longer than that. So, I don't know. You, individual... Oh results may vary and then the other thing that changed is this time the eye of round that i bought is huge so what i did was i made three slits in the meat um on opposite sides so that the cure and everything would get in further come here come here come here there's nothing out there there's nothing out there the, the rabbits are coming uh-oh <laughs> it's 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 war he says it's war the rabbits are here <laughs> um <laughs> well hey the wascally wabbits um i you know it's funny i got at the butcher shop the other day when i got my eye of round they didn't have any in the meat case I had to yeah ask you have for to it. you pretty and much the, have to ask for that yeah because they make little roasts out of them because i was like what the hell do you do with these you know he said i said you don't have them completed out here 
He's like, no. He said, we cut them up into all these other. He said, it's rare that you even find them in the store. He said, we usually cut them up into little pieces. Yeah, you have to. You, but they'll always have them in the back. You're if you go to a butcher, right. they'll always have it. I mean, that's like a, that's like your garden variety meat. And so you just you just ask, hey, you got any eyes of eye of rounds hiding in the back there? And then I just I just buy them now, that way. Now. Um, did you wet brine these or did you dry brine? Dry, and it's it's uh, per pound of meat. You want one tablespoon of uh, tinder quick, and then yeah. you put it in a yeah. bag, and it it eventually uh, it'll make its own juice. And then just every day yeah. you just go and kind of turn it around and and do this stuff. Yep. But uh, it's and it, and I cure it in the fridge. I don't like uh, right. any kind of risk of it spoiling. Well, one of the uh, one of the other things that I do quite a bit of is uh, Canadian bacon. I'm just about ready to start another one. Mm. Um, you know, you grab a loin, mm-hmm. uh, a pork loin, and and you just uh, um, cure it like that for four or five days, yep. and and then I smoke mine. Mm-hmm. I usually cold smoke it, and then I finish it in the oven. Okay, and I cook it to 150 inside. In the yeah, so you can just slice it and eat it without any problems. Yeah, and. Uh, and it's fast. I mean, that's the and you don't have to dry that out. Yeah, it's like um, a four day thing. Yeah, yeah I like yeah, that. It stuff. Doesn't take. Yeah, the fact and it's easy. And if and so if you want to, it's like a good place to start. Yeah, it's like if you want to start doing these kinds of things. Um, I'm talking about curing meats like that. Um, it's that's the easiest one to start with. It's really hard to screw that up. Yeah, it's almost impossible. Yeah, just just yep. don't put. The 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 thing that people do that are just getting started with using smokers and and these sorts of things is um, with smoke they think that if a little smoke is good a lot might, must be better and it's mm-hmm. not so don't make that mistake. No. You can make it bitter. Yeah, and so I just I just do like you know I have my my smoker running usually on charcoal. And then I'll do like a couple handfuls of um, soaked apple wood, or you know, in, soaked in water, apple wood or hickory or whatever wood, and that's it. It gets one round of smoke, and that's enough to put the smoky flavor in there, but it won't be overpowering. You right, know, the, right. the key here is you want to be subtle. You don't want to beat people over the head with it. So, right. Um, yeah, it's like the like the salt thing. I just yeah. uh, I just got five five pounds of. Uh, of uh, I think it's called Instacure. Yeah, Instacure. The pink, pink yeah. salt. And uh, when you it, when you graduate to the Instacure, you can actually use less salt because the yeah. uh, you when you use Tender Quick, you're kind of relegated to use what it what their recipe is with their salt. You, their salt to 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 um, nitrate, nitrite, whatever. Yeah, and there's sugar in, in there too. Yeah, well, but you're kind of stuck with whatever yep. it is that they want you to do. And, and if you're curing something for a long time <clears throat> with that tender quick, sometimes it can get a little too salty. Yeah. And you end up having to either soak the meat mm-hmm. to get some of the, take the back some of the salt or, and um, my next batch of beef, I think I'm going to use uh, the, the um, Instacure. Mm-hmm. And try that, and make it a little less salty. Yeah, see, yep, that's the way to do it. Mm-hmm. I do have a capicola in the fridge. Nice. That's uh, I'm sure that Kathy's not going to like it so much because it's spicy. Oh, yeah. But I got I got uh, Hungarian 
Hungarian paprika. Nice. Yeah. Well, that's not hot though. Uh, yeah, but it's not. Um, it's not. It's not real mild. Okay. It's a little. It's a little spicier than than uh, than regular paprika. Okay. Well, I got nothing else. I want to get out to my shop. No. Making knives, huh? Yep. All right. I got to go and cut some wood. It's a nice day today. I'm going to go try to cut some wood, even though I got the flu. <laughs> well, a little activity will help. Staying, staying warm waits for nobody. That's right. <laughs> and it's actually like 32 degrees, so cold doesn't work real well in my stove at this temperature. Uh -huh. So I switched over to wood. While, I'm, while it's warmer, I'm switching to wood. And I think that when I put the wood in there, too, I think it munches down the, the, the um, clinkers so that they actually make, they're actually a little smaller. Hmm. I think the weight of the wood, when you throw the wood on it, it smushes it down. Could be. Crumbles it a little more. Mm -hmm. But All right, that's all I got. Um, don't forget to like us on Facebook. Send your emails to us uh, at... Uh, podcast at knifejournal.com uh, check out our website knifejournal.com and um, find us on Facebook um, James Noka and K.R. Verstig and uh, send us a friend request and we may or may not no we will <laughs> unless you're crazy with tattoos in your and you know on your face and, and you stuff, got love you hate not, on your not, knuckles <laughs> yeah or in a if you have a um um you know, like all kinds of, if you have if you have like implants in your forehead that look like devil horns we're probably not going to like you back or not going to friend you back <laughs> no <laughs> well uh yeah so i don't know watch everybody on our facebook feed is gonna change their pictures to that <laughs> they're gonna like google search <laughs> for that and, and to troll us um, yep yep that's probably what's gonna happen so um well it's off to start our day i guess yep Talk to you soon. Uh, keep your knives sharp and oh. your friends sharper. Very good, sir. Got me. Yep. Talk to you soon.